from a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Craft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. John Lesquois has written 26 novels that have combined sold over 10 million copies. He's been published in 75 countries, translated into 22 different languages, and is a frequent name on the New York Times bestseller lists, most often in the genre of legal thrillers. He will be a featured guest at the Thurber House's Evenings with Authors on Monday, May 11th. Welcome to Craft, John Lesquois. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, we are certainly looking forward to you coming to the excellent Evenings with Authors at the Thurber House, where you'll be talking about a lot of different topics. And I imagine uh, your latest novel, The Fall. Uh, so I think The Fall will probably be the uh, you know the main topic, but you know I'm going to be there to to uh, talk about anything to do with the publishing business and, uh, you know, the creative process and all that good stuff. Oh, good stuff. So tell us a little bit about that. Maybe a, a little sneak peek into the, some of the things that you're going to say about the publishing process, which is interesting because I might have thought that as the author of 26 novels, you would have said the writing process. But, <laughs> but you said... Well, you know, the writing process <laughs> tends to be a little bit, uh, I, I can't say dull, but I have to say maybe private. Mm-hmm. And it tends to everybody has their own uh, take on the writing process and how they go about it. However, the publishing industry is, uh, you know, completely crazy nowadays and has been for probably five, ten years. Uh, and, you know, when it, it's been really interesting. I, I would say that five years ago when I went on book tours like this, uh, everybody would, no one would ever ask about the publishing industry. They'd talk about the writing process, the creative process, you know. How do you handle your characters? How do you do your plots? That kind of thing. But since, um, I'd say since five or six years ago, it's, you know, it's become almost the main topic of conversation that everybody wants to discuss. Is, you know, what about all the self-publishing? How about all this e-publishing? How about, you know, what about what's it like being traditionally published? Right. So it's, you know, I find myself in a kind of an anomalous position where, where to me, the only kind of publishing there was when I started out was what they now are calling traditional publishing. And and that was pretty hard to break in. You know, I mean, I, I wrote a lot of manuscripts before I, you know, got published and a lot more after that before I uh, made any money. Is it sort of disappointing at some point to be talking so much about publishing when you're an author? Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I think if you're a baseball player and nobody wants to talk about your batting average or your pitching average or any of that stuff, they want to talk about what it's like playing in a, a ballpark with a longer fence. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like that really, that's not what the whole issue is about. The whole issue is about, the, you know, the writing and hopefully writing good books that people are going to want to read. Right, right. So tell me about the writing process then, because that's the thing that I find more interesting. Well, good. Than the I'm with you. Industry. Yeah. yeah, because I, I love the fact that you said um, you didn't want to call it dull. You know, a lot of authors would not have even come close to saying dull. They would have said something like torturous, um, <laughs> maddening, you know, expression. Well, I, no, I only left those out for lack of time. Okay. okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's a dull torture. There is, there is torturous and, uh, you know, you know, some it, sometimes it's just horrible, you know, to, to try to get words out. But when it's going well, and, and, it, and it, it goes well often enough that I've been able to keep doing it for these 20-some years, uh, I just love it. You know, I mean, you, you get into the office, you get to play with your characters, you get to play with interesting social themes, and hopefully it goes together. So I talked to an author once a couple of years ago who said that when he wrote something that was really good, he 
started this particular kind of, I guess I can call it sweating. Mm -hmm. And there was a certain kind of concentration and he would sit there. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a light, it was a, it was a sheen, not a heavy uh -huh. drenched sweat. <laughs> but for him, that was a sign uh -huh. of what he was writing was really good. And you said when the process is going really well, that it, it really, you know, clicks for you. Tell me about when it's going really well. What are the hallmarks of that for you? Uh, but, what kind of satisfaction do you get out of that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it sweating in, mm -hmm. in my case. I don't, I don't have that feeling. Rather the opposite. Uh, basically, time just disappears for me. Um, I kind of fall into a scene, and if the scene is working, I, I feel that I'm actually more or less living that scene. And so I'm not paying attention really to even how I'm writing or how I'm typing or what, you know, anything else going on around me until I'm done with the, the scene or the you know, the part that is moving. And all of a sudden I look up and it's, you know, 5.15 and I thought it was 2 o'clock. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, that's the way when, it, when it's really working, that's what happens. Just time goes away and I'm not there. Yeah, that's interesting because as a writer of legal thrillers and in the latest book, The Fall, um, you have a, a, a question about whether someone has fallen from an overpass or been pushed from an overpass. Yes. So you've got to be writing these scenes where, you know, great bodily harm happens to people. And yeah. <laughs> you, you know, there's like, yeah, there's maybe the danger of you get so wrapped up into something uh, and you're writing and you become emotionally connected. Does it become difficult then to to look at some of these characters and say, you know, I really like you, but I'm going to kill you? Yes, is the short answer. It, it is hard to do that sometimes. Um, but, you know, you get into you get into the scene and it's not like you're the author writing the scene. When I, when I say you're in the scene, to me, there is, there's really no difference between me and the scene. I know that sounds a little new age and freaky, but, uh, but I am really, I'm going through what's on that page. Um, even if someone is getting killed, maybe I'm getting killed. Maybe I'm feeling, or, or what I'm feeling like just before, you know, that it occurs that I'm going to have to kill this person. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, uh, that's our sound bite for the night. It appears I'm going to have to kill this person. You know, I have a friend, and he he actually sat down and he counted out how many people I've killed in my books, and it's just a ridiculous, like a number of seventy-eight or so mm -hmm. people. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's the beginning. You know, part. the funny thing is, you've got to do a. You know, when you're doing a mystery, I believe you're you're, you're kind of your de facto uh, jumping off spot has got to be a murder. Right. It can't just be, you know, it's usually not a burglary or anything like that. Mm -hmm. To make the stakes high enough, it's got to be somebody being killed. Uh, you know, I, every time I see the genre of legal thriller, I think that those are two words that you've got to be pretty creative. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, to come up with, because you know, so much of what I see in the legal system, you know, when I deal with um, the the law, it's much mm -hmm. more, you know, like, here's, a, here's my will, here's a, that kind of stuff. It's pretty boring. Um, well, but you know, I like the idea. I, yeah, I I try to avoid the uh, the same uh, problem with legal thriller by calling it courtroom drama, mm -hmm. and uh, that seems a little less uh, fabricated. Right. I, uh, you know, but it's funny because I have I have two children, both of whom have turned out to be lawyers, mm. and okay. uh, it's like, how did that happen? But uh, it did. <laughs> and it's really funny because they don't find it. Uh, I think they're they're feeling a little bit mad at their dad. Mm -hmm. That you know, I kind of led them to believe that there was going to be a lot of drama and a lot of in intrigue and a lot of you know interest, mm -hmm. 
and both of them are all already starting to go, you know, this is not really as exciting as some of the things that happen in your books. Right. They come home for Christmas and say, mm, right. nobody has died. Really? Nobody, you know, just maybe my sense of hope. and uh, Exactly. You know. Nobody's betraying anybody. I mean, what's going on here? That I'm in the law and nothing, you know, exotic is happening. Right. So uh, tell me about how you, you did get started in the legal thriller genre. What, uh, you know, you, you were sitting around thinking, what's the most uh, fun thing I can think of? Courtroom drama. Yeah, that was not it. The funny thing is, you know, I have no legal training of any kind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've never been to law school and said, uh, you know, I was writing a couple of books and I wrote one book and then two more books and then two more books and nobody had read any of them. And they were getting published and they were getting nice reviews, but it was like no money, total failure. Every book was like a, you know, just a, a waste of my time. And I had to keep thinking of new things to start, you know, to kind of kick the engine over. And I finally just decided, look, I had made this character who I really liked, a guy named Dismas Hardy. Uh, I had made him the star of a couple of my earlier straight mystery books. And luckily, just fortuitously, I had made him an ex-lawyer. So, you know, he dropped out of uh, being a lawyer because of some personal tragedy earlier in his life, which we, my readers all knew about. So it was just a great opportunity to bring him back to what he had been doing before, and so the whole thing kind of began on this redemptive track. And luckily, it's it's held up over, you know, 20 books, 25 books, something mm-hmm. like that. So when you say that you hadn't had legal training, I'm assuming that you did a lot of research yes. for it. And uh, yes. so have you gotten, uh, with those early books, did they later get published? Have you... Have you had the opportunity to have uh, legal scholars, as they might do in the legal profession, say, Mm -hmm. this small piece of this book I have some, you know, argument with? No, I've been very lucky. Um, One of the most lucky things about my career is that when I was, you know, 13 or 14 years old, uh, I made a best friend in high school named Al Giannini. And Al Giannini went on to become a homicide district attorney in San Francisco and San Mateo. Mm Mm-hmm. So when I was first starting to think about doing this stuff, this guy's still my best friend. And I said, hey, can I come and hang out with you, you know, in the courtroom for a few days and, you know, see what it's like backstage and everything else? He goes, sure, come on by. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, I went, I hung out with him for about two weeks and picked up a whole bunch of kind of like the, the feel of what it's really like. And then when I'm done with you, so I wrote a whole book. It was a big book called Hard Evidence. And it was the first one where Hardy was a lawyer. And, you know, I did, I did some things that were not possible to do <laughs> in, the real, in the real legal world, like I had one lawyer on both sides of the same case. Um, but w- when I finished the book, I gave it to Alan. I said, hey, why don't you read this and see what's wrong with it, you know, and see if we can fix it. And he came back to me with that. He said, well, the basic premise of the book, it can't possibly happen. Okay. So I said, oh, that's bad. Let's try to figure out how we can make it happen because that's the book. And sure enough, there is a way it can be done. And, you know, we figured it out. And from then on, Al has, you know, kind of worked with me to, you know, I write the book and there's usually all kinds of, you know, factual and technical mistakes. But Al goes back through them with me and says, this can't be done. This can be done. This is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then we go from there. So is this a, a genre that you, you were influenced by, you think, uh, being when you were young? Was there a particular maybe television show that that really influenced the courtroom drama that you have in mind, like To Kill a Mockingbird or something? Um, 
I can't say that's true. Um, most of the time, you know, I, I, I watch Perry Mason, but I, it wasn't my favorite show. And as a kid, I read the Hardy Boys. Um, I think what happened to me is I just kind of got caught up in the mystery slash thriller um, vision of how I wanted to write. I started out being a kind of a literary writer, and I wrote a couple of historical mysteries after that. And then I said, you know, what I read is stuff like um, John D. McDonald, you know, Travis McGee. I loved this guy. I loved Agatha Christie. I loved Sherlock Holmes. I loved all of those things. And I said, you know, this is the kind of genre that I'd like to work in. And after that, as I said before, the basic problem was getting so I could make some money doing it. Right. Because that didn't happen for many years. What kept you going uh, in those times when you were, you know, writing these books, but you weren't experiencing the success that you wanted? What? How do you uh, keep churning out novels, working on the novels, going in to do the work when it's not, you're not getting the kind of things that you want in return? Well, you know, maybe this is arrogant, but I, I thought I was writing good stuff. <laughs> okay. I just, I just figured, you know, I'm, I think I'm writing as well as anybody's writing out there. And, uh, you know, my first of these modern mysteries, Dead Irish, got nominated for Best Novel uh, by the Seamus Award people. And I said, you know, gosh, I, I think that this is, you know, this is the way out of working two full-time jobs, day jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had been doing in L.A. I was living in L.A., and I was actually working, if you include writing, I was working three jobs a day. Hmm. And uh, I just said, I don't want to be working this hard my whole life. I'd rather have just eliminate the day jobs and and go on to be a writer. What were the uh, two day jobs that you eliminated after you became so successful as a writer? The main one was I was a word processor at a law firm. Ah, okay. Now, you're going to say, aha, that's where he knows about the law. But let me just tell you that if you're working at a law firm and you're a word processor, you're, you know, one step above or below pond scum. Really? It's really, it's not particularly, a, you know, a, a high-level job. Uh-huh. But but it was, a, you know, I, I was able to make a good living in L.A. being a word processor. And then at night, I would get off work, a day job, and I would do the same thing. I would go around to other firms and pick up piecemeal you know, word processing work. And I tell you, my day, you know, my day went from like six o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. And I did that for six years. Wow. That is a, a true dedication. Uh, yeah. to, uh, I don't think I could have done that. Well, I believed, I believed in the work and I, and my, you know, my wife was incredibly supportive and, and still is. And I mean, most of my books are dedicated to her because, you know, it's just, it's hard to make it out there and, you know, in the, uh, the creative world, and especially in the mystery world, it was pretty competitive. But, but we kind of both we we both thought, you know, I was publishing, and it was just going to be a matter of time. And then, sure enough, it it worked. Well, John Lasquath, I, I, I congratulate you on that and the amazing work ethic that you've you've shown on this. And we, as I said at the beginning, really look forward to your May 11th appearance at the Thurber House as part of the Evenings with Authors, where you'll talk about. Um, things that you haven't talked about here, like the publishing industry and just how crazy it's become. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to it immensely. I can't wait to be there. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative. Be creative.